1: What's up? On a Sunday night, I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Writes podcast. You don't need an intro. Ole Miss is headed to the College World Series. You probably know the drill at this point. Colin Brister and I reacted to that for almost two hours. The Rebels stormed through the Hattiesburg Super Regional without allowing a run. We got into what Hunter Elliott did um, in his performance. Dylan Delucia of Nails, bullpen, and the rebels besting a couple of really good starters and what it means for Mike Bianco, the future of the program, and a whole lot more. Again, you don't need an intro. We've got a great podcast for you as the Rebels are headed to Omaha for the second time in the Mike Bianco era. Let's just get to it. But before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gaming handicapping website the inventors of the skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel skybox, to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're into wagering you need to get with skybox, you got the NBA finals going on, baseball's up. You need to test these guys out. They are crushing it in NASCAR. They just made another killing at whatever the NASCAR race was this weekend. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they absolutely crushed it this weekend. You need to check out skybox, get a little prelude to football season up your bankroll a bit check them out they're gonna have a picks package to fit your price range whether that's month-long season-long i'd recommend just going with the year-long all sports pass it's gonna pay for itself and then some because when you do business with skybox it's an investment they went up seven units uh, on the saturday night race alone excuse me nearly eight units on the saturday night race alone by the way now i just put up the live stats but whatever your preferred sport is they're gonna have a picks package. If you're into wagering, you got to use Skybox. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, ask you to square up. You want to be texting him, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Guess who's gonna provide that for you more often than anyone else in the industry, and certainly more than your own brain? SkyboxSportsPicks.com. So lucky to have them as a part of the podcast. Check them out. When you go on there and you get a picks package, use the promo code Rippy R I P P E E. That'll get you twenty percent off. Go check this guys out. You can even do a day pass. Just try it for a day. Saturday with the guys. Maybe you want to not actually lose money like the rest of the idiots in your friend group. Use the skybox day pass. Boom. Eight bucks once you use the rippy uh, rights promo code. Can't beat that. So check them out, SkyboxSportsPicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. You know the drill at this point. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, that's rippy Get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week, right in the one right now, the uh Omaha uh or excuse me, Hattiesburg Super Regional Reaction, but you also get discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for $20 and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kick off your grilling experience. Just go in there, show him proof of subscription, and he'll get you set up. Then go find your own favorites. LB's is the best place in the world to get meat, whether it's uh, the Lane Train Special. We got the Keith Carter Special going on there, a couple of bacon-wrapped fillets. I like the Tri-tip, got the filet burgers going there too, all kinds of delicious sausages, fresh seafood. They've got it going on there. It's prime grilling season, got 4th of July coming up. you want to throw something awesome on the grill, Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. Go check him out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. It is truly a jewel of the South and a jewel of Oxford for sure. Check him out there, LB's University Avenue in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister on this team's Omaha run, the history it's made along the way, and how Ole Miss got here. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, uh, proven prophet, Colin Brister. The Ole Miss Rebels are headed to the College World Series for the second time in the Mike Bianco era in a way that no one could have possibly drawn up. And throughout this entire winding season that's gone from number one in the country to seven and 14 in sec play to feeling like they sort of got a favor just to have the right to be in this tournament to just absolutely mowing through a good Southern Miss team. I, I, I texted you earlier before we started recording. I was like, I kind of had to go on a walk to like figure out what to say that I saw it playing out a lot of different ways this weekend. I, I did not see that. How are you? Are you functioning? What's, what's
2: going on? on your end? Yeah, I'm a lot better than I was. Uh, when there was bases loaded in the bottom or the, or the top of the eighth inning today. Um, I think we both said we thought Ole Miss would win in two, right? I, I mine just,
1: was kind of tongue-in-cheek. I thought it was possible that they won Friday, but mine was mostly just out of nothing makes sense. So, boom,
2: dead on. <laughs> um, I knew yesterday, um, and we're recording this on Sunday night, I knew yesterday when I watched Southern Miss's inability to make an adjustment against Dylan Belush, I'm like, oh. I don't I don't know how Southern's going to score. Um and when I thought that I didn't I didn't mean literally score a run. I just thought I didn't know how they were going to score enough to win the super regional. And um credit to the miss, they held them down. It was uh it was an impressive performance. Uh probably one of the if not the most dominant super regional performances ever. Um team didn't score. It did not score right. And quite frankly, um they didn't have a whole lot of chances to score either. Obviously you have a chance every time you're in the batter's back to the ballpark, but I'm just talking about from a runners scoring position standpoint, Hey, they didn't have many, um, impressive, impressive. Look, um, I think both of us thought at the beginning of this year that this team could go to the college world series. And I think both of us thought they were good enough to maybe compete for the national title. And while I, I have that thought four months later, um, Two months ago, if you'd have told me, hey, Ole Miss is going to win a Super Regional in two games, I'm like, what are you smoking, my friend? <laughs> um, but but here, here they are. It, it,
1: it, yeah, I mean, you nailed it there. And I think one of the important things you brought up in terms of uh, signs from game one to game two, and if outside of the result of Ole Miss winning 10 to nothing, could you tell anything from game one to game two? And I thought you hit the nail on the head with the delusia piece of it it, it wasn't just that they didn't hit Delusia, particularly early on in the game. It was the fact that they didn't make any adjustments. It didn't look any different yep. the second and third time through the order. I think the first time Southern went through the order, all they had was, I believe, a one-out double from Wilkes. But the third, I mean, they only got four hits in the game. They scored, they had seven hits on the weekend, but I thought that one of the more um foreshadowing signs that worked in Ole Miss's favor and look I didn't think it necessarily meant that they were in great shape today because Tanner Hall is terrific and was probably better today, in some ways but I'm with you in that sense I was like okay they're actually probably in good shape here because of the way it looked the second and third time around against Delucia I think you nailed it it looked the exact same and with all – we talked in the in the preview pod about Southern Miss's pitching staff and how this would be kind of in some ways the fairest of tests for Ole Miss because it was, look, can this offense hit good pitching? And to its credit, it did. What we probably didn't give enough credence to was the fact that Southern Miss has a decent offense against Conference USA pitching. Could they actually face Ole Miss's? I mean, I think we said this was probably the best staff they would face. How would they handle it? I thought Ole Miss would pitch it pretty well. I did not think it would reach that level of dominance. I'm with you. Once they entered today, I was like, okay, if Elliott's good, they're going to have a real shot because of Southern's lack of ability to hit top end pitching in their own right. I just don't think they'd seen a lot of arms like that throughout the course of the year. And it's not even just velocity, right? Neither one of those guys overwhelmed
2: with velocity. Yeah,
1: The movement and the stuff.
2: So you go look at, at the better teams that they played on the weekend, right? Dallas Baptist. Dallas Baptist got after them a little bit. Um and, and there was some there was somebody else that they played on a weekend and it's like, I don't know if they can hit good pitching and it turned out they couldn't. Um I know I know, you know, the, the thought was, well, they hit LSU, LSU stinks. I mean, just being honest, they can't pitch. Um, probably should have learned that when Ole Miss went to Baton Rouge that this past year. Um, but or excuse me, a few months ago, but Look I don't want to take anything away and this sounds you know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth I don't want to take anything away from Ole Miss or Southern Miss. Southern Miss had one hell of a season and quite frankly it sucks that that it sucks for them that they had to play Ole Miss in this because there's not many teams in the country quite frankly that beat Ole Miss this weekend. I don't know if there's one Um, so so it sucks that Southern had to deal with that but man um, just give a lot of credit to Ole Miss. It, you know, the, the first few innings in both games weren't easy, right? Like, they go scoreless in the first three, I believe, uh, each game, and then scoreless in the fourth today. Um, and just had to grind and grind and grind. Waldrop and Hall were special. And they're they're really, 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 really good. And um, they just kept – and give Delusha and Elliott a ton of credit because, you, you, you know, you give up a one or a two spot there because Patel hits a ball out of the ballpark or you make an error or whatever. It's like, oh, shit, now we have to fight back. And, and they just kept holding it at zero till this offense was able to break through against, you know, Waldrop and Hall.
1: They, not, they gave them nothing to build off of. It was no. – I mean, particularly Hunter Elliott today, and we can bounce around a little bit, but I think we have to start with what that kid did today in that moment. I mean, we – in some ways, in the general sense, I could probably cut three-fourths of our Hunter Elliott segment from last week out and replace it this week in just terms of the kid meeting the moment – not looking uh, overwhelmed or afraid. Not that anyone thought he would at this point. I mean, I thought it was pretty certain you were going to get a good version of him. But you want to talk about not giving the opponent anything, particularly after a day yesterday where Southern Miss only records four total hits. They had a couple of opportunities throughout the game. I think they ended up stranding eight runners. But no real success offensively. To not even let them breathe or get back up off the mat when they had their best guy going – Was remarkable to watch. And you talk about a kid that just hasn't been phased by the moment the entire year. I mean, that was the biggest game, one of the biggest games in Ole Miss baseball history to this point. And the kid didn't allow a run. He gave his career long outing with his career high in strikeouts. And yes, that's the same thing as a season high because he's a freshman. I get it. But like that was remarkable what he did today. I, I really am running out of ways to compliment Hunter Elliott. And not only that, I hate keeping making the Doug comparison, but he had an attitude about him today. Like he was annoyed that there was anyone thought there yeah. was a possibility that anything else would happen than other than what exactly, exactly what he did. I mean, he looked so, not annoyed to be out there, but he looked like he was facing opponents that were unworthy to him in the best way possible.
2: Yeah. So that's a really good way to put it. And I, and I was sitting here thinking today, right. Hunter Elliott's suppression. He's what, 18 years old. Um, when Ole Miss lost to Virginia in Game Three, and Game Two, Hunter Elliott was, I believe, that would make him six. Um, and then, oh, you yeah. know, seven, seventeen years ago, he'd be one against Texas, and then sixteen years ago, he'd be two. So, I guess my point is, he didn't really give a shit that they had never won the the game after. Uh, you know, they they went one and oh, I don't think he really cared, and it was obvious on his like you could tell uh, that moment was not too big for him. And he didn't care who was in the box. It didn't matter. I'm going to get this ball. I'm going to throw my 88 mile hour fastball across my body with my deceptive delivery, and you're not going to do a dang thing about it. And then I'm going to throw this front door. That was what was so impressive to me, right, was the front door curveball to lefties. He was throwing that thing at their shoulder, and it breaks over the plate. And, and, and like, if you're a Southern fan, I get it. You're pissed off you didn't score. Here's reality. You can't hit that. You just can't. Um, It doesn't even do. So – I threw a ball at his shoulder and it's breaking over the play. What do you want him to do? It's – uh he was filthy, man. He was filthy. It's – um what an outing. It, considering the circumstances, considering what was on the line, maybe the most important or, – or maybe the most dominant outing by anyone in Ole Miss uniform. I know Drew Pomerantz. I get it. He sent him to the Super Regionals on two days rest. I get that. And from a sheer dominant standpoint, it's certainly Pomerantz's outing. Um but considering what was on the line today and just how miserable a game three would have been. And quite frankly, I think Ole Miss would have won a game three, but I'm glad it didn't come to that. Um, I think it was the most, I think it was the most impactful, let's put it that way, outing by anyone ever in an Ole Miss uniform in, modern, in the modern era. I got to tell you,
1: I don't remember. I mean, I watched the Pomerantz game and I, I, I remember it, but of course I didn't really watch baseball the way I do now being older and doing this podcast and all that. And so I won't argue in terms of dominance, it being the Pomerantz thing, but I, yeah, I got to put it in the same category. And it started with exactly what you're talking about that front door slider to left-handed hitters. They were turning into it as if they were going to get hit in the upper back. And I mean, there were a couple instances early in the game where the umpire called it a strike and he would turn the hitter would turn around almost surprised, but not even question it. It was just like he they didn't know how to process it. There were a couple of times where they looked down and like just looked like I don't know what to do with this. They either they looked back at the umpire or they just stared blankly for a second and was like, How was that a strike? I know it was a strike, but like how did that how did that come in the way it did? And I gotta tell you, a couple of those he threw to the top part of the order in the first and second innings. I that immediately and it was it was that exact pitch that's when i thought okay if they can just score one or two runs he's going to be as good or 95% as good as to whatever tanner hall puts out so they've got a real shot today if they can just get something off of hall and we can get to the missed opportunities in a second, but the way he looked, the the life he had on that breaking ball, the way he located the fastball, and in some ways it didn't look like he used the changeup a ton today, but when he was able to throw it, he was so dialed in on all points of what he was doing today. I You could tell from 15 pitches on that Ole Miss had a chance to win a two-to-one game or something like that if they could just get something because he was – it looked nothing like the Miami thing. Like, with the Miami first inning, I was like, all right, they might need five, six runs to feel pretty good about this. Today looked like they were going to be in it if that thing had gone 0-0 zero, zero to the eighth.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair. Um, it, Southern wasn't hitting him, and it was just a matter of how much he could give you, um, and, and, and he almost gave you eight full innings. Um, I, I want to do something as, as we're um, recording um, just every few minutes. I want to remind everyone that Notre Dame beat Tennessee. In, in a super regional. And I think that's an important thing for everyone to acknowledge and to remember. I think that's uh, it was great for America for, for that to happen. I don't know if you saw it. It was one of the uh, best moments in college baseball history considering that uh, you know, they saved college baseball.
1: Yes, they did. And I've got some takes on that uh, in a bit. I was watching that while on the golf course this morning. I mean, I, so I did like an impromptu call in to hand raise guys right before we started recording this. And Neil asked me about it for a second, and he just goes, that was karma, right? I was like, yes, moving on. It's
2: <laughs> exactly what that was. The game knows. And, and that's, that's a common phrase like among coaches, but, but I do believe that. And I don't believe a whole bunch of those cliche phrases, but the game knows. You, 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 you act like that, you get what you get. Um, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I, was, I, I have never, and I mean this genuinely, I have never been happier for a baseball team to lose than I was today. And, and I've rooted against Mississippi State a lot of times. I have never been happier that someone lost a baseball game than Tennessee lost that one today.
1: I'm with you. And if you want to make it a comparison, bridge it back in. Was Tennessee hitting Hunter Elliott today?
2: Uh, no, there was, uh, there, was, there was nobody hitting Hunter Elliott today. It's why, it's why I think this team's got a real shot to win a play for a national title. They got two stalwarts, dude. Like, what are you going to do? Especially, and here's the thing that people, and, and they won't hear this before this game happens, Auburn needs to win that, that series. Yes, um oregon oregon State's guy, and i figure he's going tonight actually i need to look at that a jerky is is how it's spelled h-j-e-r-p-e uh close to something inappropriate but not exactly um if he goes tonight he probably forces that to a game three they didn't throw him in game one he is a real left-handed dude first round guy 92 94 high spin rate really 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 good so uh Almost definitely needs Auburn to win that Super. But if they do, almost has just as much of a shot as anybody to get to the national title series. And what a sentence that is, considering uh, what happened in March and April.
1: Oh my, yeah, what a place to be! Like I, I just, I, I never would have thought such a thing when they left Fayetteville at seven and fourteen. And the other piece about Elliott was just, you know, Doug, like Doug and some other guys, they they they've almost had some really good pitchers through the years, but Doug almost like sure. played into the emotions of the game. And I don't mean that in a bad way to where he got caught up in it. Like I think of him just throwing his hands up in the air in that moment in the game two of the 2021 Tucson super regional, where I think he had just gotten through another scoreless inning, but it was, a, you know, one of the 20 million, uh, 15 pitch at bats. It felt like that Arizona had put together <laughs> and like, he just kind of, I mean, he was enjoying himself. He was living, uh, like almost pitch to pitch, and like you could tell, he was just kind of enjoying himself out there. Elliot was so stoic; it almost looked like he didn't break a sweat, which is remarkable considering the ridiculous move he does of wearing sleeves in the Mississippi.
2: I don't love that. I'm not questioning uh, is, it. I don't even there, I just find it. Is there any way on that? Is there any way it's like a dry fit thing that makes you like keeps you cool, or do you think like we're we're straight long sleeves in 98 degree weather?
1: It's a failure on the old Miss media if this, this hasn't been asked. It may have been asked, and I just uh, haven't seen it. But I, I don't know. Like in golf now, they put these compression sleeves that shield right. your arms from the sun. And they, I think for the most part, one, they keep you somewhat cool, but they also act as like a skin cancer deterrent. Um, I see a lot of like, older people wearing them and younger people too. But like, if, is it one of those to wear? I don't think it's actually a shirt. It's just a pair of sleeves. I think he's got a long sleeve shirt going under there. Well, I'll have to talk to my sources and equipment um, but I, I just, I mean, he looked completely calm. I don't understand how that that luscious mane he's got going in the back doesn't really sweat <laughs> with that going on. But like, even in just a metaphorical sense, he looked like he knew exactly what. I don't know how many pitches he threw today, but if he threw ninety nine pitches or whatever it was, he looked like he knew exactly what he wanted to do on each and every one of them, and it was. I probably use this term too much, but in a lot of ways, it was kind of mesmerizing to watch him work out there. I mean, there was little to no resistance throughout the entirety of that. I, I just, I can't say enough good things about that start in that moment. And I, look, we talked about this team and not necessarily getting caught up in some of the post-season's past narratives. Cause most of the time, like you said, they're younger, they don't care. But if if you wanted to even leave the possibility open that they would there would become a moment where Ole Miss got tight. Uh, that kid ensured that moment didn't exist because there was never really a doubt, particularly once Ole Miss scored, how the rest of that was going to go as long as Elliott was in the game. And I, I think Ole Miss really fed off that. I mean, think about the defense today. That's another thing that's changed with this team throughout the postseason. Think about the two shot, at least the two shot and yay plays, but there was one where he made a hell of a play on a ball going to his right. It was the same inning where Elko, uh, Snagged the liner that saved the run, and with the way runs were coming in the first five innings um or excuse me hard to come by, that was a huge play. The way they played defense today was as impressive as anything to me really throughout the course of the entire weekend and I just have to think that that has to do some i mean with Delusio you can put in this category as well, but Elliot too, they just seemed to rise to the occasion behind him because of how ridiculous he's uh performing,
2: yeah, I mean he was so, so good and, and- you know, I don't know the the and, and this is a topic for another day, but I don't know the draft status of, of Delucia, but they've got a real chance to have both of them back next year. Um, man, oh, I think they're just great. To do, just to do that as a freshman in that environment, um, and, I, and and I'll ask you this because we both saw it on TV. I didn't, and, and this isn't a shot at the Southern fan; they were into it and they were loud. That environment wasn't as like zoo like as people I think made it out to be. I that that it didn't seem as hostile as I thought it would be and it didn't seem as crazy as maybe I thought it would be. And I don't I don't know if that was just because, you know, almost got out to the early leads, but it did not seem like it was just, you know, a, a very and I don't want to say that, that it wasn't a very very intimidating place to play. It just didn't seem like it was overwhelmingly loud or or, or, or the zoo like atmosphere that maybe I think both of us predicted it would be.
1: I've been to that park a couple of times and the tents that they put up on the side, at least the right field side where there's not any uh, seating all the way through the outfield. And it doesn't look as rowdy in the outfield because they're kind of split part like in between those trees. But Uh it is it even though it's like spacious and has a bunch of foul ground, it can get pretty noisy in there and can get pretty rowdy. I I agree with you. I don't think it was the – I didn't live up to what I thought it would or could potentially be. I thought it could be kind of – I think I described it as like a mid-major gym when Gonzaga comes to town, one of those West Coast gyms. It didn't live up to that. But I think the last part you hit on is partially why. At what point did they ever really have a chance to have the crowd take control of an inning or a sequence or a game? I mean, they had a bases-loaded scenario in both games, but Ole Miss was up three and four to nothing both times they happened. Like – that felt like a crowd that had to sit on its hands for much of the series. I mean, how they, they only had seven, they, that, the crowd for both days only viewed seven hits from the golden Eagles. So I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I, I mean, to kind of wrap up the Delusia Elliott piece of this, you got to give them credit for that, for not ever letting it get to that point and giving whatever, whatever you know, number of people were there, the chance to take it over.
3: Yeah,
2: man, that's yeah. You're, you're exactly right. There, there was no opportunity to get into the game. And God bless them, they tried. I mean, they're, they're doing ball four-chance in the ninth inning. And, not, and I'm not making fun. I get it. That's a tough situation as a fan to be in when, when you just – there's nothing that really gives you that energy or that jolt. But it just didn't seem like a, 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 a zoo as people kind of made it out to be. And, again, a lot of that skewed oldness, you know, jumping out early um, – or not really early, but but in the middle innings on, on Friday and on – excuse me, on Saturday and on Sunday. Um, no, it was it was as impressive as a weekend as as I've seen as, as an Ole Miss fan in a long time. Um, even the, the the Louisiana Lafayette Super Region, on I me, mean, yeah, you, you were dying. Like I was, I was dying in all both games that they won in the eighth inning. And and in all intents and purposes, as someone that is just cynical and thinks at some point something is going to go wrong for Ole Miss, like I was just waiting on something to happen. But I I really did, and 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 I'm a cynical human being when it comes to Ole Miss. But I just knew watching them swing the bat over the weekend, I'm like, they can't – even if uh, – what's his face? Patsow hits the ball off the foul pole and they, they tied up at four to four in the, in the eighth. I'm like, how are they going to score again? Um, so, it, it just almost was just better. And, and that's not always the case in Super Regionals. It surely wasn't the, the case the last two. But this weekend they were clear and far away the, the better baseball team. And, you know, if for, for a team that we talked about doesn't get a whole lot of luck, when it comes to the postseason, as far as advancement opportunities and, and um, who they get to match up with, they they surely caught a break this year uh, from that perspective. Yeah, they
1: did. And kind of on that note, we might as well go back to really the one moment of consequence in Game One. Um, it was the, foul. The foul. It was. It was. And look, I think I think it got settled pretty clear. But I think what what sparked any form of debate, because, you know, in social media, Ryan Russillo always says this. I listen to his podcast a lot, and I probably reference it too much, but he always says we're bad at handling things in the moment, us as an audience or us as commentators or whatever the case may be. It's always, like, too exaggerated or too reactive in the moment. When he hit that, the first two – maybe you had a different vantage point, but the first two replays, I was like, oh, that's fair. Like, that's definitely, like, that's fair. Yeah, and then they zoomed I, it a I was little bit and like, that's close. And then the last one I thought made it pretty clear where they finally got it and showed it going across the foul pole. But in live action, I thought that that was fair. And even when they played the first two replays without zooming in or slowing it down, I thought it was fair again. The one thing that stood out to me was Elliot. You could see, excuse me, not Elliot. Dilution, yeah. You could see in the corner of the screen when they were panning down the line, he immediately signaled foul. And yeah. that's not like a basketball player begging for a call or like a, a, a hitter like trying to uh, coax an umpire into convincing him that it the ball hit him or something. Most of the time when a pitcher like points foul because they can see right up the line, like he pointed that way as if he knew something. And I thought that was weird from the start. But what was your take on the whole thing? Just kind of take me through the whole sequence because that was a wild five minutes.
2: Um, Yeah. So – so they call it foul on it, and my, my mind, obviously, when I see, okay, they, they call it foul on the field, it's like, they've got to have, uh, because, you know, I, I fault replays in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, but the one thing they are consistent on, for the most part, is they do not overturn a call unless there is overwhelming conclusive evidence. Not even conclusive, it's got to be overwhelmingly clear. And, and I knew from the first three plays, I'm like, I don't know. And then I see the, the next one. And I'm like, okay, there, there's no way they can say for 100% sure this is fair. And then I'm like – and then I see the last one. I'm like, oh, that's foul. So at that point, my mind settles down. It's like I, there's, they can't call this fair. I guess, the, you know, the, the cynical nature of me being an Ole Miss baseball fan, I was like, I guess they could just say screw us and call it fair. But I don't know how they could have rationalized calling that ball fair it it wasn't the ball was foul Scott Berry said it was foul people sitting behind the stand or behind the fence said it landed foul it it was foul and and here's reality and Southern get pissed about this because I I talked to a Southern fan last night and and I'm like it didn't matter you weren't going to stop all Waldrop was done and you couldn't score so so I get it from a momentum if you want to believe in that type of thing I, I get it but like, come on! What, it, you're, you're telling me even if that ball was you know incorrectly ruled fair and you have a four to three lead, you're going to protect that lead? You just gave up ten, and I get it. You maybe did not use your best pitchers, um, but I don't think that. I don't think that played any significance at all at all into who was going to win the super regional.
1: I'm I'm somewhat with you too. I I could see a world where they hit that and it's four to three because you got to remember, Ole Miss is now losing the game had that ball stayed fair. And that could have played out differently because, again, look at as much credit as this team deserves. We have seen them at times when it's a one run game in the sixth, just not be able to get over the hump. And um, Southern Miss had a full bullpen and Waldrop was still pitching pretty well at the time. I'm with you. I think Ole Miss would have come back and still won the game and it probably wouldn't have ended up mattering. Um, of course they ended up scoring 10 runs, but the the game has such a different personality based on whether that's foul or fair. So I think Ole Miss would have probably would have won it anyway, but I will say I could see a scenario to where that really, like that's a play that changes the course of that game. Um, but I kind of tend to agree with you too, but I, I did appreciate Scott Berry was I, I like him a lot. Uh, He's awesome. He seems like a great man. I don't know him personally, but he did our – he did when I was at Sports Talk. He did the radio show every Monday, always had a great attitude about it. and just seems like a genuinely nice man. I appreciated him saying, I know it was foul, but of course I was going to challenge it just to see if they could catch a break. I don't know why. I just kind of appreciated that honesty um, because I guess once you saw the replay, if I were Southern Miss's head coach, I probably would have done the same thing where he's like, ah, it was pro- like I, I knew it was foul, but why not challenge it because it was close? I just kind of appreciated the honesty of that.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, you take your shot and see because I, mean, it, 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 I have never seen – and I've watched a lot of college baseball. I have never seen something not challenged that needed to be challenged. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like he was going to run out of challenges for challenging it. And then it turned out it was even a crew chief review. Um, no, you take your shot and see what happens. But, well, it's clearly foul. Um and, and after that, I mean, well, a ton of credit, right? Like you see, you know, not not maybe not your life flash before your eyes, but a different ball game certainly flash before your eyes. And it's like, well, let's actually end this. And they just put it bat after it bat after it bat together against Waldrop and whoever they brought into the game after that. And and credit to them because obviously when they went up ten to nothing, that game was over.
1: Yep, and you're dead on to that, that part too. Like the, we talk about The difference in this season, and I think the common theme of it is seizing opportunity. Um, All the way up from Ole Miss, you know, you can argue the merits of them getting in the tournament, and we had that whole discussion, so they get in, what are you going to do with the chance? And then they get through the Coral Gables Regional. Um, You know, they, they, they take advantage of a timely hit from Tim Elko to beat Miami, and then it's like, what are you going to do with it? And so many times they've squandered so many opportunities this year. I mean, Mike even said a different version of this. I think they played it on the broadcast. Of Mike, I think he told Ben McDonald, "With yeah, even when we were 7-14, and 14, we had plenty of chances to win those games and take control of those series, and we just did it. And that was really the, this team's DNA. I mean, that's what was going to be written on their gravestone. That's really who they were. And I think that's the biggest thing is, that's flipped is seizing opportunity. I won't say Ole Miss caught a break because the ball was foul, But, man, they cut that thing close, and what did he do? He struck him out on the next pitch. I mean, that's a really dangerous hitter in Ewing that had been mired in a slump. You know, he was a little bit Kevin Graham-like for them. They were a different offense after he got hurt. He got hurt for nine games. They went four and five. He came back. They kind of went on a run again. Well, what did they do? They struck him out, and then they immediately put the game to bed. They scored. They chased um, Waldrop. They went through three pitchers in that inning um, and scored seven runs, and the game was over by then. And so – it, I don't know. It just seems like this entire postseason has been about them finally taking advantage and seizing opportunity. Whether I mean look, they entered the year zero and sixteen when trailing after the sixth inning, and what do they do? They're two and zero this postseason. They trailed in both of the first two games after the sixth inning. Uh, excuse me, and the sixth inning or later, when uh, and they won both of them. And so it just seems like the theme has kind of been seizing opportunity. And boy, did they do that this weekend. And I think that started with the seven run sixth after the uh, the the, fa- the uh, foul pole uh, grand slam deal.
2: Yeah, yeah, I did, and, and and man, it was impressive. Um, all the knocks about this team, right, and a lot of them were fair. Um, kind of come to fruition. They kind of cut to overcome it, right? Like the bullpen had to be good in Miami, or they don't win. Um, the offense had to be good situationally. And here's here's something that um, is different. If you want to ask what is different about this team, they scored when they got guys to third base in less than two outs this weekend. They they hit the ground ball. They hit the fly ball. They, they got them in, whereas two months ago – or a month ago in Fayetteville, Arkansas, I watched this team butcher opportunity after opportunity to make that happen. It's a different – it's a different team, man. It really, really is. It is not the same. And I understand they're the same human beings, but they are not the same players they were a month ago. Um, it's impressive and, and, you know, look, I, we're going to get into this five deserves a hell of a lot of credit because that that thing could have gone sideways and he pulled off his best coaching job in an old Miss uniform over the past months and and you know I like I said we'll get into this later but I I, I know that there's there's a lot of people that yell about five and and, and what he does and how he coaches it but I, I'm genuinely happy for that guy I know I know that he's got his flaws and I know that you know um, maybe haven't won in the postseason as much as you want but guy built the built the program and and unless something crazy happens he's going to retire as the old miss head baseball coach
1: regarding the offense part of that you know what i mean you're dead on with it too but i mean there's a couple stats that can back it up i mean they were seven and 19 with runners in scoring position in the game one win they were three of 13 today but you got to factor in the fact that a couple of those came against a guy with just an absolutely wicked changeup in tanner hall but they were six of even in this five nothing win day where they weren't They didn't hit it as much as they did. Um, They were, what was that? I just had it written down. Six of 20 with runners on base. Um, Yesterday, they were eight for 23 with runners on and seven for 19 with runners in scoring position. You know, the biggest thing, because the biggest knock was this is all, this offense hits the ball over the fence and does nothing else. 14 of their 15 runs before the TJ McCants home run all came without a home run. The only home run Ole Miss hit this weekend was the McCants home run. They scored 10 runs against a top-end arm yesterday or a couple of top-end arms to take control of that re- uh, super regional without hitting the ball over the fence. I mean, that, that's the exact opposite of what this team did for the better part of two and a half months. So, you're right. I mean, it's the situational hitting. And, look, yeah, they squandered two on, no outs, the first two innings of the uh, game two today. But my thinking on that was, yes, it wasn't great. Of course, you would like to get a run home.
2: Graham smoked the ball right to the second baseman, though
1: exactly like it. but even on top of that where you got to give them credit and where it still proves different is Tanner Hall is a guy that generates a lot of swing and miss he's a really really good pitcher and really really good pitchers escape uh situations yep. like that but you know what Ole Miss did is they continued to apply the pressure and eventually the guy's not going to escape every one of them and they finally broke through that's what looked different to me today about it
2: yep yep and 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 they made adjustments man uh, um you know, the, the first two times I can't get the ball in the air, and then what happens? You know, Justin Bench, it's, it's the double end of the corner. By the way, unsung MVP of this team is Justin Bench. Just every day just brings it. Um, and plays it, all over the field. They, yeah, they, and they plays play it. it and does it well.
1: All weekend and didn't
2: miss a beat because of him. Speaking of which, how awesome was that for that kid in the ninth inning? Today?
1: Oh, amazing. He's had such a, a a tough, terrible year on a number of different levels, and I don't necessarily mean that to like degrade his performance. He, I t- I'll take back terrible. He's had a really tough year on a lot of different fronts, both on and off the field. That was yeah. that awesome. I mean, there were so many parallels at the end of that game that were just kind of like, yep, that makes sense. That was cool to see. That was top of the list. I thought that was awesome. Good for McCants. He's had a really, really rough year.
2: Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just plays – you know, plays two positions elite. Like, he's really, really good at both of them. I, I just and, – and, and what about Garrett Wood, man? Like, in game one, you put him in as the guy that, hey, he's going to make all the plays at third base. Well, hell, he did. And then he also hit. Uh, I know it's not as good on, on Sunday, obviously. But, man, just just two really, really good at-bats and key situations for Ole Miss on Saturday to get that lead um and extended some it's they just had guys make plays man they just had dudes go show up and make plays that they didn't make the 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 first seven series of sec play um and you know what's funny is is, is i said this on uh i believe thursday or friday show i can't remember what we recorded and 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 it's saying but none of it matters now like like I, I i'm kind of annoyed at some people's talking and, and i get it, it's just fans and, and whatnot in and social media it's like People talking about how bad the regular season. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it sucks that it wasn't it didn't happen in Oxford. Who cares? They're gonna they're gonna play in Omaha next next Saturday night against Auburn or Oregon State. And um, man, it was. Uh, it's I, I'm still kind of in shock that I, I thought they'd win all weekend. So I'm I'm not overly surprised that they won. But just from the overall landscape, this team is going to the College World Series is one of the most hilarious things ever.
1: I'm surprised at the the ease of it. Uh, I I was sitting there trying to figure out what I was starting the writing process before we started recording and I was trying to figure out what to write. And I was sitting there, I watched it, watched today's game by myself uh, just on my TV in my apartment. And (laughs) I don't want to say I was like, I was having to stop myself from being like, is this kind of like, why does this feel underwhelming? And it's not because it's underwhelming. It's because it lacked any sort of drama and everyone I think would prefer it that way. But you met brought up the 2014 um, super and ULL. I mean, those were two really <laughs> in the post-game too. just really topsy turvy action-packed games. There's just none of that this weekend. It was very machine-like in business. Like Ole Miss just went in and kicked a really good team's ass and just kind of dismantled them from start to finish. And so underwhelming is the wrong word to use, but it felt anticlimactic because, I mean, in the purest sense of the word. There was no, like, climax. (laughs) They they took the lead in both games. They didn't allow a run on weekend. I mean, look, people listen to this podcast for some uh, expert analysis and advice. I'll throw this to you. It is hard to win a Super Regional if you don't score. Um, I'm not sure how many teams have done that.
2: Yeah. um, Actually, I I know they actually showed that during the game. Um, 2014 College of Charleston and 2002 LSU. It it happened to them. So, uh, neither of those uh, won their series either. So that That is usually how it works. You must score to win baseball games and 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 look, I'm not a southern miss extraordinary or anything, but that was the same lineup that was in Oxford last year outside of Reed Trumbull, and they were nowhere near as impressive, obviously um almost just kind of them. the Ole almost was better on the mound last year. I felt like um so well, maybe not maybe not in the two games that they played them they they definitely worked the two games they played them in Oxford last year, but still, I mean, I don't know what happened at the southern offense, but you could just tell early on like. They are overpowered here right now. There, there wasn't a whole lot they could do um, from that standpoint. But uh, no, it was look from after the only other super win being ULL and the dog fights to win both of those games. Those were I welcome um, easy two zero super regional wins. If I can get a few more of those in my life, I'll take them. It, it's
1: I was thinking about this earlier, and we I I think I always think about it from the lens is like, okay, how did they get here? How did this happen? and undoubtedly what happened and this speaks into the fact i didn't want to ignore your point about mike bianco earlier but i was getting to it from kind of diving into it from this lens this happened because of what this pitching staff became um we entered this season you know we were talking about it during the preseason thinking okay the pitching staff is going to be a weak point where can they find three starters i mean the we were talking about for The first month and a half, Derek Diamond doesn't have to be great. He just has to be good enough as the Friday night guy. And to go from there to the pitching staff, and particularly the starting pitching, well, it's actually not even just particularly, just the pitching staff as a whole, undoubtedly being the strength of this team, and not even just good, but great to dominant in the postseason, is a credit to Mike Bianco because you were on this from early on? You you said it from March on. He usually figures out, most always figures out how to have a competitive pitching staff. Well, I don't even know if he could have envisioned this. It, it went beyond competitive. This is absolutely the strength of this team, without a doubt. And this is why they're going to Omaha. This, I mean, the offense finally morphed into some semblance of what I think most thought it would be. But they're they're going to Nebraska because of what this pitching staff became. The Ole Miss bullpen in the 2022 postseason, has covered 16 and two-thirds innings. They have not allowed an earned run. I believe they've allowed one unearned run. They have – I had this up earlier. Now, of course, I lost it when I need to read it. But uh, let's see. They have allowed no earned runs, seven hits, 25 strikeouts, and two walks. That's – that's I mean, throw that on top of what Delusha and Elliot are doing for them. That's, that is legendary shit. Like I mean, I don't even really know how to describe it. It, it is remarkable what this pitching staff has turned into. They're, they're dominating
2: teams. Yes. Um, and, you know, when the offense plays well, good luck. Um, really, really fun to watch. Really special. And it's what we thought this team could be all year. And, thankfully, we did get to see this. Um, it was so – Ula was so mad. Um, when it looked like they had, you know, little to no shot of making the tournament because it was like they have a run in them. They're, they're, they're not going to play this bad all year. And thank God they turned it on when they did. And and that is the reason that uh, they are playing in the College World Series. I will say this. Um, like, look around the country. And and I get it. You know, two and six in Supers isn't great. And obviously you'd, you'd rather be four and four or five and three or uh, seven and two or whatever Van Horn is. I get it. Number one seed is at home. The number four seed is at home. The number two and number three seeds are have to play and win games to advance to the College World Series. The number seven seed is at home. It looks like the number eight seed is going to go home. The number six seed is at home. And the number seven seed is at home. It is hard to win Super regional. Like, I, I do want – it's really freaking hard. And I know like it, it, a lot of teams in this region. you think it make, makes it, make it look easy. It is extremely, extremely hard to win a super regional and to get to the college world series. So I hope that do Ole Miss fans, and I think they will uh, understand and appreciate how hard and how difficult this was to do everything on the road. Now they put themselves in this spot, but it's freaking hard to get to the college world series. It almost made it harder on themselves and they got it done. Um, it's it's still kind of impressive when you consider the the amount of quality baseball teams that will not be heading to Omaha, Nebraska. Much like um, or or you know last year when when a lot of national seeds get beat, it, it's just hard.
1: It really is. And to your point, the number two and three seeds, as you're talking about, and as we were recording this, the Stanford UConn game is wrapping up, and it does appear that hey. it, uh, Stanford will force a uh, decisive game three. But both the number two and the three seed. I mean, Oregon State's gonna have to win twice. Uh, they haven't yes. just now getting started as as I'm talking right now. But like Stanford, gonna have to win twice. Like they're gonna finish off this one and have to win another one. You're right. It is very difficult, and that's why people don't necessarily want to hear this. And I don't mean to like dismiss the postseason struggles in the Bianco era as solely this. But man, one in five in a super is almost like a statistical anomaly. Like it's it's it, that's that's if you played it out, so you can't anything, not have wanted, some bad luck in there. Yeah, exactly. Like it's that's just hard to have happen. And yes, some of it is on him, um, but the some of it is just like golly. Like I mean, I think you said something about the law of averages earlier. You think the law of averages would eventually be on their side, and uh, they were this time. It's I mean Bianco deserves a lot of credit. This is arguably, probably, definitely, actually, this is his best coaching job, strictly from the standpoint of. I've, I've had a trouble uh, reconciling with this because I thought t- in 2016 he did a really nice coaching job getting that team which yeah. should have been a top eight national seed, and that team wasn't that good. Um, 2015 was a really good coaching job. That team wasn't yeah. good at all, and they got into the NCAA tournament um, a year after going to Omaha. As bad as they struggled in the regular season, it, it's weird to me in some ways to call it a great coaching job, but I, I end, where I end up landing on this is, one, the way he developed the pitching staff, But, two, keeping the team motivated and still together when they were 7-14, and nearly were run-ruled by SEMO, to where you're having Brandon Johnson and Ben Van Cleef speak to the team, and those guys deserve some credit in that, too. But it ultimately all falls on the head coach and the coaching staff. Keeping them together with everything that was on the line, his future included being the main part of that, keeping them together throughout all of that when it looked so bad. I mean, we (laughs) – I, I enjoyed this podcast and I enjoy our listeners because it's very interactive. We're not necessarily pushing Joe Rogan numbers yet, but we got people that we got a pretty rabid audience that likes to interact. And that's part of what makes this fun. I, I felt like I was about to, when I was telling you at seven and 14 after uh, the Arkansas series ended and I was like, hi, right, we'll check in every now and again, but there's no point in having you come on twice a week to say the same things over and over again. I felt like I was breaking up the band. Like we were all done. This was all over with to keep them together <laughs> through all of that it was remarkable. And that's where I end up landing when talking about the coaching job for him. I do think it's a great coaching job from that perspective under all of that pressure too.
2: Yeah, no, it, it is a great coaching job and it's hard to, it's hard to categorize it, right? Because like he's also culpable for what happened in the first seven series of SEC play. Um, and that they had to go on this magical run to to get into the tournament and then, you know, go on this run on the road is, is, is part, partly because they were so bad. And, and, and that is, um, as the head coach, that is on him, but it's also on him that they got to the College World Series for the second time in his tenure too. So it's it's hard to categorize just how 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 much impact throughout the season, or, or how great of a job he's done. But when you when you you know on the microbe, specify it to one the last month, it's probably his best coaching job in a one month window ever. Um, like you said, to keep this team together, to to have them believe, um, you know, um, even after you know a a 7 and 14 start um it's impressive and and those kids i think you know and we did it we we questioned their toughness at times and 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 i think some of them yeah against semo that that you can't tell me that team was playing as hard as they could You, you can't you can't convince me of that um but they they fought their guts out for the last month they have fought their guts out and now they have put themselves in a in a tournament and uh, Omaha, Nebraska, that quite frankly, I'm not going to be shocked if they win it. Now, I'm not projecting on this one's the national title, but I am telling you right now, with that's their side of that bracket, I will not be shocked if this team finds itself playing for a national title. <laughs> it's,
1: it really I won't be shocked. With the Tennessee, I wouldn't either. There, it's, I'll put I'll ask you to you this way knowing, not, not knowing the result of Oregon State and UConn, uh, you, <laughs> Oregon State, Auburn, and UConn, Stanford. <laughs> With Tennessee out, is there a team? And I get that you don't have to beat every team twice. I'm well aware of that, but just for the sake of the argument, I think the best way to ask it is this: Is there a team that Ole Miss cannot beat twice?
2: No. Um, no. I agree. Uh, just, well, here's my thing, right? Okay. I want to. Here's why I want to play Auburn so bad. Because I think Dylan DeLuca can beat Auburn. Um, beating Hidjerpi from from Morgan State will be a tall task, but they win on Saturday night in Omaha or Saturday afternoon, whichever one its go we're gonna hand that ball to the same kid that just went to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care if it's the Cubs, the Yankees, the Dodgers. I'm gonna hand him the ball and be like, well, we're winning today. Um because they just kinda win when Hunter Elliott pitches. that's kinda what they do recently. So um you know if you can win on Saturday you're handing the cat to the the the, the cat the ball that has dominated two pretty decent at number six and the number 11 seed um, with a chance to be one game away from the national title so that's why I think this team's got a shot man you're gonna hand the ball to a really good pitcher in Dylan DeLucia and then if he wins you're gonna hand the ball to a guy that's just been flat in the past month
1: and with the way the bullpen depth is when you get to that third game I don't know what the rest situation will be or what or Michael decide to do but so
2: Yeah, and that'll be interesting because the the tournament has been shrunk this year. They play – it usually starts on Saturday, but it it, it starts on Friday this year. Ole Miss will start on Saturday. And the schedule is you play Saturday, you play Monday. The one-and-one game is on Tuesday. And then the final two games of the bracket are on Wednesday and Thursday. So they are not – it's not near as spaced out as it usually is.
1: And whether they go back to Delucia or whatever it would be, my point was just you've established this bullpen depth. You can get real length out of a lot of guys as long as he doesn't leave Derek Diamond in the game the face the second time through the order. Again, No one had yeah. to see that this weekend. But, I mean, they, they went through – Brandon Johnson didn't pitch this weekend. They used Malin's authority, yeah. and, and that was it. And so they they have the ability to, even if you get past those two, to piece together a really competitive and a really tough game for an opponent from a pitching standpoint beyond Elliott, depend, beyond Elliot and Delucia, depending on how the first two games go, of course. But the fact that they have that depth back there is also something that's been surprising about this whole thing because I don't know. I mean, last year had better front end starting pitching probably, at least on paper. But it was Doherty and how the hell do you get the game to Taylor Broadway? That's not even close to the case with this group.
2: No, no, it's not. It's um, well. I mean, that was the thing today, right? Is is like Elliot gets through six. I'm like, what well, do you just go to Mallets here? I get like Elliot's dominating them, but so is Josh Mallets, and Josh Mallets dominated again. I don't know if he threw. I seriously don't know. i I go back. I'm gonna go back and watch the entire game probably multiple times because I don't have anything to do. Um, I don't know if Josh Mallets has thrown a fastball in his last two outings. <laughs> he just throws this nasty slider that you can't do anything about, and, and it is impressive. Um, so, no, you've, you've got in depth. You've got Jack Doherty really, really good the other day. Um, and, obviously, Nichols, Johnson, and Mallett. you have full confidence in. And then I think John Gaddis and Jack Washburn can give you a, 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 an outing. I, I think Jack Washburn really, really plays in Omaha because I think he's going to throw a bunch of fly balls, and a bunch of fly balls in that park is very, very good for uh, success. So – I don't know. I, I, I just have a weird feeling about this team that, that they're going to have some fun out there and at least make this interesting because they've got the pieces to do it without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Josh Mallitz has gone now gone one, two, three, four, five, six outings in a row without allowing an earned run. Is his that good? last time he allowed to earn run was April 23rd against Mississippi State.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's, it allowed was, a, he
1: has, he's got a score with every one of his outings except for looks like two has gone over an inning, most of them over two. He has allowed earned runs in two of 15 outings this year. Two. Good gosh. One of them was a two-run good. homer against South Carolina. I don't remember the Mississippi State piece of it, but outside of that, he has not allowed an opponent to score an earned run uh, this year. Uh, he has one outing where he's allowed the opponent to collect more than two hits.
2: Yeah, uh, he's really good. He's really, really good. And- well Miss isn't here without him because what he did against Arizona, um, what he did against Texas AM, and um, you know, what he did to finish off LSU and Baton Rouge, really, really impressive. And, and you know, I know we take some grief because, you know, we kind of people think we were getting on the kid last year and we weren't, we we're getting on Mike. And, and, yeah, know, people don't understand the in. joke now.
1: Like, and I'm tired, I don't yeah. even bother explaining it anymore. It's not a Josh Mallett. It's not a dig at Josh Mallett. It's a joke slash a dig at Mike.
2: Yeah, it's like, why, why in God's name is he still? Putting this kid in the game—it's not his fault. It's kind of the same thing with Diamond that we say. It's like it is not Derek Diamond's fault that Derek Diamond is left in the game too much. That is not his fault. We are not uh, demeaning that kid. It is uh, the fault of you know someone else, but uh, not going there today. Uh, how nice was it that, that this program didn't have to play a game? I could not have handled a game three. I couldn't have. I I, I so I for for clarity. I'm going to a basketball camp tomorrow with our high school team. We were going to be on the bus during game three. I was going to hand my phone to an assistant coach, not watch and go to sleep and then wake up and get the result. <laughs> that I would have decided. been
1: some tough sledding on the pod, but I, I, I suppose. I suppose.
2: There, I, I, I'm not going to say which one. There is another game three that I haven't watched, and it did not go well for the Rebels. It, uh, <laughs> Well, so in
1: all of this, in a lot of ways, that I mean, you talk about the parallels and everything. It's history-making in a lot of ways. Bianco had never had a team go win a road regional, and they've never made it through a super in two games. Uh, it gets, uh-huh. They're doing things in the postseason that they've never done, and it's like this team absolutely just wet its pants oh. for 80% of the regular season, 70% of the regular season, and then it's just blitzing teams. Oh. The, they've outscored opponents 46 to uh-huh. 11. They've allowed one run to a team. Not they've played one years, competitive
2: don't. game. Well, two, two competitive games in the past three haven't been competitive. Um, yeah. that's the surprising the,
1: yeah. Oh, sorry finish your thought go ahead
2: no I just that's all I was saying. I was making sure I was right yeah the last three games have not been pretty I know the game today the score was I guess within reasons but at no point did you think Southern was going to make a run
1: and the, I don't want to say the most surprising part but this is sort of off of what I wrote last week is that the thing that maybe is the most Maybe the reason, that like for doubt, like they maybe I didn't think they'd get through a regional, or if I didn't think they'd get to a super, or through a super, if someone had to ask me what the reason was, well, it's like, well, maybe they won a game, but eventually against one of the top end arms, they weren't able to do it. The way they hand, the way they were able to scratch out a win against, uh, was it Palmquist for Miami, yeah. and then Tanner Hall today is the kind of toughness from the offense yep. and having the pitching to match it up on the other side that I didn't think they could necessarily piece together when they entered the postseason. They didn't have a great day against Palmquist, but they took advantage of, the opportun- of one opportunity. Tim Elko scored- hit the two-run double when they had an opening, and they slammed the door pitching-wise. And today – they missed a couple opportunities in the first inning, but they kept putting pressure on him and kept doing it and kept doing it. And they were just better against the best another team had to offer. And you haven't seen that a lot from this team for most of the season. And that's, to me, if you're ranking the reasons why this all looks different, that's, that's number one seed I don't know what else fills out the bracket.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, just remarkable on the mound. And then like you've talked about they, they've seized opportunities, man. It's, um, so one of the most impressive things i seen the an Ole Miss sports team do this run was was remarkable. It's um, it's it, it's a lot of credit to a lot of high character kids and and Tim Elko and Justin Bench and Kevin Graham and 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 Hayden Dunhurst to just got it done and and it's fun to see and and this team's not done. I'll, I'll say that I I don't think. I don't think this team's just happy to get to Omaha. Just, just kind of from reading some things and, and watching how they're, yeah, they're happy that, like, hey, they're, they're, you know, all this work and, and their goal um, of getting to Omaha has come to fruition. But um, I think they're going out there with a chance to win. And, and like you said, they they've got the horses to do it. It's, um, I'll say this too. Um, Ole Miss has has had their shots at going to the College World Series over the, you know, in, in eighteen, nineteen, and twenty-one. I don't expect that it'll be eight years before they go back this time. I I, I think this is going to, now that, you know, it's a a two-time thing and not a one-time thing, I think this is a situation where I think there's some freedom. And I I expect this program to be pretty much at Super Regionals at least two out of every three years. And I think they'll start winning Super Regionals at a normal rate instead of, you know, two out of every eight.
1: I'm with you on that part as well. And you talk about the the – you're talking about this team not being done yet. I'm with you. I look, I don't think necessarily the 14 team was just happy to get the Omaha, but that that wasn't necessarily like one of his, I won't say it was definitely in top six, top five, his most talented team, but that wasn't like, that team didn't have the expectations of this team placed on them from the preseason. Maybe they did from a Bianco job standpoint, but I don't remember looking at that 14 team and being like, they should be here no matter what. And there was the novelty of getting there for the first time in the Bianco era, and then they lose that first game, a tough one against Virginia. I forget that kid's name that Virginia started. Really, really good. Kirby. And, you know, when you lose the first game, its it, I guess it's not necessarily a sentence, but it's close to it. It's really hard to make it through after that. And so that there felt like there was a novelty there, and it was almost like a celebration of kind of finally knocking down the door. Even though they won a couple of game, couple of games to the losers bracket, this feels way different. I mean, every time they've gotten asked a couple of times, I think Elko, and then there was a Shotenye quote in there. It could be someone else, but I think it was Shotenye. To where they got asked about you know winning the region or whatever, and they're like, yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to win the first national title here. Like they they've mentioned that a couple of times, and so I'm with you as well. I think they were excited to do it today, but there was very much a vibe of. Uh, Job not done yet. Whereas, I remember talking to Orvis and uh, Austin Anderson, actually, hot topic of discussion there, for that story I did on Pertzak a while back. And they spent the night at whatever hotel they were staying at kind of drinking, and it felt like – I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that. They're, they're all t- old now. It doesn't matter. Spoiler alert, college kids drank beer after they made it to Omaha. But it felt like a celebration of finally knocking down the door. This does not feel like that. This team feels like they are uh, far from done as well. I'm picking up the
2: same vibe as you. It's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So, I went in 2014, and, and my plan right now is I'm going to pray they went on Saturday and then go on Monday. Um, but I'm kind of excited because I haven't, I haven't seen, like, and it's kind of like a novelty thing that you watch Omaha every year, but I haven't seen Ole Miss on the TV in Omaha. I'm kind of excited just to see that because it's – look, I get it. The Sweet 16 and, and making it should be a bigger deal than what it is. But there is a novelty aspect of seeing your team in the College World Series that I am looking forward to enjoying on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've, uh, I only remember it once, and I was a freshman in college when it happened, and I was definitely viewing it from a different vantage point on a number of different levels, but you're yeah. right. It's the program exposure, too, and that leads us into the second part of what you're talking about. Mike Bianco, uh, I think you can probably uh, extinguish the message board. Thread. I think I think we so uh, we have listener questions to get to at the tail end. <laughs> I think it was an ironic question, but uh, we got a question that said, what does he have to do in Omaha to keep his job? I think that was talking tongue- Exist. I would hope so. It just but exists. I, I think you're right. And, look, I mean, look, the, the only knock on him, aside from, you know, some bunting stuff and lineup construct and a couple of in-game decisions, was the postseason results weren't there. And he gets the second one, and I, I'm with you. I think the results will start to come more often. I, I don't think Ole Miss will go another eight years out getting to the College World Series, just because he's been consistently on the doorstep for a half decade now, from 18 to 22, they have been on the doorstep every time. Yes, you had the Black Monday in 18, but they were one of the best teams, best teams in the country. And we're going to play Omaha, or excuse me, play in Oxford all the way up until Omaha. Like they, they've been in the mix every single year. And so, I think the results are going to come too now. And in a sport that doesn't have a ton of absolutes, right? Like this, I feel like this is what a lot of Ole Miss fans longed for. Is with Bianco, it felt. Absolute. If they were a road team in a regional, they weren't making it through. If they were a home team, well, you just hold on to your butts and hope you can win five games, and you know disaster doesn't happen. This was finally a team barely getting in, taking advantage of the moment and just plowing through a regional and a super regional on the road, and like that's more common in college baseball than maybe the Ole Miss fan is accustomed to, just because of the way the Mike Bianco postseason part of it has played out. I'm with you. I think the results are going to have start to happen more. And if they do, I don't know what else you can ask for in a baseball coach at a place with eleven point seven scholarships. He's in; they're in the mix every year. And if the postseason results fall in Ole Miss's favor more often than they have, what what else can you what else can you ask for?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's his team's never stopped. for him. No. And, and, the, and, and partly that's – so that's what's kind of funny. Um, if, if there's one thing that I'll say, like, hey, I really, really got this wrong. Is When we were – they were 7 and 14. I get it, like the feeling around the program. Pronouncing them dead was probably a pretty – was probably pretty premature because over 21 years because he gets – so the precedent before the, today was what, he can't get to Omaha. Well, the precedent also was, like, they never suck. So he will figure that part out. Um, and that's probably on me for counting this team out. Um, and, and thinking that this was going to go to hell because there's no precedent that says Mike Bianco is going to have a team that is bad at baseball. Um, and so, you know, he, he they call this magical run, and um, now I'm looking at Airbnb prices at Omaha, Nebraska, and, and they are not – you know, Airbnb used to get a deal. I'm not really in the deal business now for Airbnb.
1: I think that Airbnb people in certain locations have gotten smart. It's almost like when Uber came out with the surge. I'm like, oh, this used to be a deal. Now it's not really depending on where you're at. But, like, with the mic part of it, okay, maybe it was a little premature, but they were quite literally three losses away from being mathematically eliminated from the postseason. Right. Like they weren't getting in at 13 and 17. It's like, was it? So, and that's part of this turnaround. And I think that's the one of the more remarkable pieces of it is this team – look, there are teams that underachieve and finally catch a hot streak and then go on to make a postseason run or what? I'm not even talking sports centric. You see that all the time. Very rarely what you see is a team change its DNA. And this team's DNA went from they squander opportunity to my God, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And you don't see that very often. And I, not, I don't even know if this example works, but in some ways it reminds me of the Boston Celtics. Um, The last couple of years they've been, underwhelming and disappointing in the regular season and then you hold out hope that it's going to change in the postseason and it just doesn't Boston Celtics were like 21 and 21 at one point in December this year and it's like okay this team they just like something's wrong with their DNA they just got to blow it up and now they're you know two wins away from an NBA championship like very rarely do you see a team change its DNA mid-season and Ole Miss somehow has done it all the way to um the College World Series, and that's what makes this remarkable. Is not just they finally reached their potential; they won games and were tougher than they looked at a large portion of uh, points in the regular season. I, I just don't feel like you see that as often in sports.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 crazy. Is this the most improbable thing that that Ole Miss athletics has done since since you've been following it?
1: I'm probably missing something but I think so because yeah. it's not even just the fact that they did it they just it was with relative ease They ab- absolutely blazed through all this they didn't lose a game they outscored opponents 40 to 11 it's 46 to 11 it's not just that they did it they absolutely tore through it did they get a little bit of a favorable draw yeah absolutely I think they did um and hey, like, uh, but, I but the, the, should easy apologize easy. for that. Ole Miss has gotten screwed on breaks in the past, right? So, like, I, I'm not necessarily discounting it by any stretch. I'm just pointing out that, like, the most surprising part of it is that they just absolutely blick screened teams.
2: Um, BZ just quote tweeted you, by the way. Um, but, yeah, no, it's they just beat the crap out of people. It's uh, – I don't know. I've never not sweated during an Ole Miss Super Regional game. Not one. Not once have I never, once, not once have I not sweated during a Super Regional game at Ole Miss yesterday. I was just like, you know what, we're going to be up 10, and uh, we're going to, we're gonna you know, use two pitchers and get out of here a lot. It's, it's the best, I'll say it like this, it's the best I've seen an Ole Miss team play in June, um, and that includes the 2014 team. Um, obviously, you know, there's only really two options, but I think even they were playing even better than the fourteen team was, and and I think quite truly, this team may be a little bit more talented than the fourteen team was.
1: I think you could certainly make that argument, and if, if I mean, I think the difference is is what these two starting pitchers have turned into. Because the offense, it's not even really a question. That was a good offense in fourteen, but it's not what this one can be. And so I think that's I think you're right there. Um, I did see our guy BZ just quote trade us. He wanted. We'll get through the first round matchups. We got something. I hope he's having a good night. Uh,
2: you know. Yeah, I'm happy. I, he, I'm he, genuinely, just as a person, I'm genuinely happy for a lot of people in that family.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, he's a friend of mine. He's a great guy. But like, even just the fact that he's a Bianco family member. Um, breaking news there. I just it has to feel good for them. Like it's it's in that to tie it back into the the Mike part of it. I. My hope is of all the joking aside of Mike giving me ass chewings through the years, it's some people will bristle at this, but in some ways he's vast in some ways he's very maddening, but in a lot of ways he's vastly underappreciated for the type of program he's built for the scholarship resources that he has. And my my thought process would be if the postseason results continue to come, and I think even just starting with this Omaha trip. Maybe this one will help people appreciate more what he is as a baseball coach and what he's done and the model of consistency he's built through two decades. Because if you want to be perfectly frank about it, in the history of the sport, you're probably not having to get past two hands and maybe a hand and a half in terms of counting the type of programs that someone's built for over two decades for this model of consistency. Can you name 10 of them? You might could name seven, um, but no more than that. Yeah
2: no that's
1: the kind of air that he's in and if he can sneak in another Omaha trip or two over the next couple years his resume looks a lot different and honestly he will be properly appreciated I would think and hope to some degree
2: yeah um just just yeah like we said happy for him because in that family because look I I get it and I understood the frustration I want to be clear I understood the frustration um in in March and April what I didn't really understand was well two things people wanting him to almost to fire him during the middle of the year, and people ask, Like, I remember people asking Chase, and them, why aren't we putting up a hot board? It's like, well, because they're not dead, um, you know. And then, and, and then, what advantage would that give you, too?
1: What is firing then, Mike in April at seven and fourteen? What is not letting it play? You're right. Nothing. What does that do?
3: Yeah.
1: Other than really then, just kind of, uh, I mean, honestly, it's, it would be kind of a cheap shot to a guy that built one hell of a program. As long as I
2: can see it. And then, you know, those that were rooting for Ole Miss to lose. And there were some some people wanting the Ole Miss to lose so that they could get a new coach. I, I don't know. And, look, more power to you. you can do whatever you want. But um, just seeing see, seeing Tim Elko get to finish his career in Omaha is worth more to me than than thinking that I need a new baseball coach. Like getting to see that kid take the field in Omaha, after everything he's gone through, for sitting the bench for two years, From, you know, having the start in 2020 that was unreal, playing through a torn ACL, then, you know, turning down draft overtures and coming back for his senior year. Um, And he gets to play in the college world season. No, no, no. That's more important to me than thinking that that Ole Miss needs a new baseball coach. Um, And they don't, obviously. Um, Yeah, it's just, just happy for a lot of people. I'm happy for Mike Clement um he was 0 and three in super regionals he had lost to kansas state the two at ole miss obviously he gets to coach in the college world series i'm happy for you know carl lafferty and all of those guys like hey they're they're gonna be in oxford for as long as they want to be here um because there's not really any pressure it's crazy how one game or or two, two out of three series matters so much but it does and i'm not saying that's unfair but um From a job security standpoint, you went from hey, uh, you might have to put your house on Zillow to like ah, you're probably good for three or four years now.
1: Uh, Yeah, and that thing is from a human aspect. That's 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 always it's it's good to see because I think in this cutthroat business business, you always you sometimes forget that these guys are humans and the part of the Mike piece of it too. And look, it's hard to find nuance on message boards and social media, but the the part of it that was interesting to me was the criticism of Mike. And I think this is part of why he was so relaxed throughout the most of the year, at least public facing, was there was no criticism of what he was doing in season. It wasn't like he's holding the team back for not playing X guy or this pitching move or whatever. It was the fact that the team was drastically underperforming uh, in, uh, against expectations and just playing really bad baseball when they were supposed to be really good, which was nothing he could really control the criticism felt like a culmination of, one, whatever the LSU thing is and that people were upset about that, but, two, just a culmination of postseason's past and their frustration with that. And I just say – I say all that to say my point was is, like, there's nothing he could have done this year. Like, them being 7-14 and in a vacuum was not his fault. Like, he he couldn't really do anything else. It was just the culmination of – okay, I get it at a certain point, one Omaha trip in 22 years or 23 years. Like sometimes things go stale and sometimes it's just time for a change. Kind of almost like a la Andy Kennedy in some ways, but on a much different scale. And I, that part is fair, but I just didn't understand some of the in season criticism of him. Cause it's like, what else do you want him to do? And I think that's why he was so sort of relaxed. Cause I think he got to a point where it's like, maybe this team right. is not good. Um, and lit- luckily that turned out to be wrong. And I'll close with this piece of it was the, Ole Miss fans, whatever you think about, if you're in the camp that wanted a new coach, buddy, let me tell you, there's a lot more – there's a much higher percentage. A, a lot worse. That the job could go – that it could get worse than better than Mike Bianco. I think it's a slam dunk, whether it's Dan McDonald, Butch Thompson, whatever, those guys I think would do well at Ole Miss. But there's no guarantee. And so it's almost like appreciate what you have because when you leave it up to chance, it, it there's a hell of a lot – there's a much greater chance it would be worse than better.
2: Yep, and and that was always worrisome to me if Ole Miss ever did go down that road. And, and so, thankfully, this does two things, um, for at least for me, unless, you know, it goes haywire again, and I don't think it will. Mike Bianco will retire at the University of Mississippi, and when he does, you're not going to have to wonder, well, will, will coaches not want to come here because you fired a guy that they perceive as is, is one of the best baseball coaches in the country? I just – look, losing two of three this weekend would have been worst-case scenario but winning two of three is best case scenario. It was to that point for this program. And I don't know. And thankfully we'll never find out what was going to happen if they had lost two this weekend. Um, I'm thankful. We'll never know. But, but you know, it's happy for a lot of people this weekend, man, but, but none more than the guy wearing five and the dugout. i you know, I've had my qualms and, and issues with some coaching management stuff, but um, I think we all have, I think that's part of baseball, but, there, there is a respect level for a guy that that's built this program into what it is over 22 years, and has now gone to the College World Series twice. It's um, look, Ole Miss is one of the better programs in college baseball, and there's one person that's that's the constant in that, and and he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what what this program is and what happened today.
1: We had boots on the ground in terms of podcast listenership in uh in Hattiesburg, and a listener sent me a photo of Mike as the last man on the field um and it was can actually you send kind of, me that? what'd you say can you send me that yeah absolutely I'll send you the photo it's kind of a cool photo and what's interesting about it is and I'm actually just looking at it again and putting pieces together so I uh I drove from after the game ended I drove from my place in Dallas to uh MC's place in Fort Worth and I listened to Kellum in the post game on the drive home and I was actually really looking forward to that I was like I'm, I, I made it a point to do that and Kellum said um i think he i don't know if he said there's mike out there on the field or we'll get mike in a minute but he appears to be on the phone he's probably talking to his dad um who i don't think made the trip and like i don't know i just picture mike in that moment that has to be really cool it's it's a photo of him just last one standing on the field he appears to be on the phone um and you know, i don't think his dad made the trip but that had to be a cool moment but also on a lighter note do you think he was walking around looking for someone to yell at because he was surprised at how easy that was? Like, I wonder if Mike tonight, I think he's a wine guy. I wonder if he poured a glass of wine and was like, well, shit, that was easy. Like <laughs> I just, there was such little resistance and they dominated that region. I just wonder if he anticipated that being a lot harder than it had to be because he didn't have he, to do a whole lot. And I don't mean yeah, that to sure. like, take away from him, but it was just my offense was awesome. I had two great starting pitchers, and I handed it to two sturdy bullpen guys, and that was it. Like, that had to be one of the easiest postseasons of all time for him. Easily the easiest. Do you,
2: is he, like, sitting there, it's like, wow, they didn't make me do anything. Or he's probably sitting there thinking, like, well, this is all it takes to win Super Regionals. It's not that hard, is it? Um, Part of me wanted to be, like,
1: if him walking around out there, like, what do you mean the game's over? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was it. Like that's all and, and the and the nice inning, when, when they got the first two guys out, I'm like, are there is because there, the the thought going through my mind is someone that's been burned so many freaking times was how are they gonna get through this without enduring an absolute crap load of hell to get there? And then I'm like, Oh, I guess they're not because this kid's not hitting ballots and the kid pops up three one pitch and how cool was it that Elko gets to record the last out? Um man, just it was, it was, it was. I'll say this is a guy that's, I'm 29 now. Um, while wow, I'm getting old. It was, it was probably the coolest day as, a, as an Ole Miss fan from, a, from, from an Ole Miss fan perspective that I've had. Um, obviously, the 14 was cool, but I just thought this one, and, and you may disagree with me here, um, just from a program turmoil standpoint, I thought winning this one was the most important one for the program, just because everything, every fire is extinguished now
1: it validates what he's built and it, it kind of proved that, no, this isn't stale. We just needed something to go our way in some degrees. And it's not as simple of that as course, but I definitely agree. And so I had a couple here's some big J notes here. So why is Elko become statue guy? And I don't mean that in that way, but like, like in like a bad way, because I think Elko is one of the most important players and one of the greatest hitters in Ole Miss history, but the statue thing, like people debate LeBron James, Michael Jordan, greatest, Basketball player of all time, people are like Marshall Henderson. Hell of a lot of fun to watch. I don't remember there being as much statue rhetoric as there's been in the past. What is the what is is, our statues back in a big way? I don't understand. Like what is what is the statue infatuation? I I'm not opposed to it. I'm not hating on the idea. I've just become amused that everyone's like, when's the statue going up? Like why why is everyone so focused on a bust of Tim Elko? Like you, you could retire his number. You, you can plaster his face on the jumbotron for all I care. I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious why we've settled on statue. But, actually, I'll pitch it to you first. I have an idea after that. But do you understand why we've gone – so we've, we've pivoted to statues in a big way.
2: Um, I don't. I don't. But, you know, I'm in on it. I'll say that. Um, You've you hit home runs in game seven of a regional and a torn ACL and hit 22 bombs and go to Omaha as a senior. I mean, build whatever. They can build a statue. They can build a museum. I don't really care at this point. Um, might want to put Hunter Elliott, and Dylan Delucia in it too. Though.
1: If okay, here's a statue idea. Could you do one of the moments that stuck out to me today was when he caught the last out and he raised his arms in the air. Could that be the statue pose? I thought. Oh that was pretty, yes, he's got the mustache. That was pretty dope. The ball's in his hand and his arms just go straight up in the air, like he goes nuts and celebrates after that. But it was almost like a half second of
2: like an exhale, almost. Yeah, yeah, that would uh, that definitely be the statue pose
1: it felt like a runner like finishing the boston marathon or something can it does mike get a statue yet or people ready to approach that topic? so people so get really
2: passionate about that um if you if you if someone says they should build a statue in front people get like really pissy or or before today and i don't really have an opinion on that but like people get extremely upset they're like no he doesn't deserve a statue i'm like it's a statue who 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 cares
1: Where's the committee on that? Like who decides that? <laughs> who decides people can I get in on that? Like Is there I'm like
2: out? a so you have a Hall of Fame committee, do you have a statue committee? I am down to start
1: one. If anyone would like to start one, I don't know if we'd have any governing power, but I would love to sit in a room oh, say, So could we home. me this and you be on the like committee? A
2: plaque, but no statue. We could be on the committee. I think we would both build one of Holt Perdocs.
1: Yes, I think that would go on there. Um maybe Christian Trent patting his left shoulder and saying this right here. I got this. There's a couple of good ones through the years. I mean, <laughs> we've probably gotten too far down the statue rabbit hole, but like, I mean, LSU has like a bust of Mike outside the stadium as a player.
2: Um, like the yeah. Ole Miss could fork over. Would he moment. be the only person that has a statue outside of two SEC stadiums?
1: I would assume that would have to be the case, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I I i' have, I'm not big on statue history. Um, I, I know of Mount Rushmore and a couple others that I've seen throughout the years, but I'm not big into statue history. I would assume that that is the case. So maybe we can get uh, maybe, I don't know if anyone in the sculptor community out there um, would like to uh, like to get to work on that, but I have some blueprint ideas of a Mike statue if anyone wants to consult me
2: on that. So we'll close with can that. Can we get him yelling at you as the statue?
1: That I thought about that, but I didn't want to ruin his moment. I thought about him in his signature pose where he has his arms crossed but his thumbs are up um up under his armpits. Um I thought about one with him a couple of centimeters away from an umpire. Um <laughs> you have to have the sunglasses on. Um I thought about Speaking one
2: of one. Umpires. Maybe him of umpires, his- did, uh, did, did did you laugh out loud when Gilbert got tossed on Friday night? I just, you know what? Why don't we just do
1: that now? We'll do. We'll, we'll, sure. go and we'll take, take a
2: break. We, we can react to
1: everything else. That the, you you teased the Tennessee piece of this earlier. My God, karma is undefeated. I just I, game I just, knows. I was at a Mexican restaurant on Friday night, and I would watched four, the first five innings of that Notre Dame game, and then the, I missed the ejection. We were like sitting down to eat, and I got a couple of texts from like, "Did you see that?" And I was like, "No." It's like he's clear as day said that's effing awful go f you like f you or go f yourself i or thought that's what he again. said
2: I, I just, I, apparently what he said was that's effing terrible and then he turned around and says effing terrible again that's what i was told he said
1: but still i just like the the, the tennessee thing I, I keep using the new mon- money example but it's just like the new money guy in any industry who just doesn't get it and like thinks he should take credit for everything that's ever happened in said industry before or since because he happened to hit it big for a short stretch. It's just, I don't understand it. Like if you've watched college baseball for a year or two years or hell, 15 games, I don't know. You can't yell that an umpire. If you're a college player, you cannot argue balls and strikes one. They'll give you a little bit more leeway in the postseason. if we've seen where guys look back at umpires and maybe ask them a question or like slightly shake their head. You can't yell the F word at an umpire and then walk off and expect something to happen. And the, the, the golf of that kid to turn around and act stunned, he got thrown out of the game. And he looked at him like, You threw me out for that? It's like, Yes, I threw you out for that. Like, what do you, What'd you
2: think? I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Well, and so I'll say this, and you tell me if you disagree, but I want an honest opinion. Um, the umpiring crew was not an SEC crew, it was not a Southern crew, it was a crew from out West. And they've seen all the stuff on Twitter. Kyle Peterson alluded to this. Two things on that. One, they've seen all that crap, and they knew going in, we're not dealing with it. Um, And two, this could have been addressed earlier in the year because the reason that happened is because they've done that crap all year and nobody did anything to them. Nobody said, hey, we're going to stop this. We're throwing it out. Nobody did anything from the FCC. They just let them do it. And then they get this umpiring crew from the Big West or wherever they are, and they're like, I'm not screwing with these cats. I will throw somebody out of here. Um, The SEC could have fixed this if they wanted to, and I hope that next year I don't have to watch that nonsense for Tennessee for 30 SEC games. Surely someone from the SEC office is going to step in and say, y'all better chill out.
1: That's a terrific point, and I hadn't really thought about it through that lens is that it really was kind of enabled, right? The only thing that happened to Tennessee throughout the year was Vitello getting suspended for, I don't know, chest bumping an umpire. He didn't get suspended for hurling a bat at uh, the Auburn dugout-ish area as they're celebrating a home run because, God forbid, someone bat flip on Tennessee. It's not like they do that to the opponent. It, you're right. I mean, I never thought about it like that. It really was kind of enabled. But on the flip side of that is I- I'm sure you're right in terms of the Big West crew probably not taking it, but I-, I don't even know the best example. Columbia, bunch of Ivy League kids. If Columbia had done that, that guy's getting tossed immediately. Like, it, it doesn't matter who <laughs> – you-, you can't do that. And so I'm just – the, like it's almost like what planet do you people live on? Like have you ever played this sport before <laughs> or watched this sport? You can't do that. I mean, look, I, I, I guess I can't say this with confidence, but, like, could you do that as a major league player? Could you say no. that be terrible twice and looking the guy in the face? Maybe you muttered under your breath walking back to the dugout. But you can't look the guy in the eye, say that, and then expect nothing to happen. I just it's, – it's, it's almost like when Tennessee got down and started losing games Oh,
2: they got tight. It was like today. everyone
1: else's fault. Like, it, it's, yep. like they should be able, it's almost like a child that's throwing a tantrum because they're losing a game. It, it, it's, it's really unprecedented. And I, I tweeted this on Friday. I was just like, I don't really get bothered by this. I still found them to be an entertaining heel in the sport. I thought it was hilarious that everyone was rooting against them. But, like, it, it went beyond that. Like, flipping a, the outfield off as you're rounding first on a double is, one, a loser move because you didn't hit it over the fence. But two, it's just like you look like a jackass. Like, it, it does see, I think bat flips are awesome. I thought the one, the Mike Concho guy, whatever the guy's name, nickname is, Mike Concho, when he chest, like he uh, hit his chest with the bat and slammed it down. Some people get mad at that. I actually thought that was kind of cool. But like all the other stuff is just over the top. It's just a bunch of jackasses. And it came in the absence of accomplishment. If they were defending a national title or something. Oh, sure. Okay, maybe I get some of it. But what did they do other than win a bunch of regular season games? And I would say their biggest accomplishment was making Vanderbilt seem likable.
2: Yeah, well, that's so, so that's the interesting part of this, right? Because every there were some people on Twitter that are doing the, oh, Tennessee's good for baseball. Okay. Well, here's my issue. You had Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, um, and Auburn fans, and probably everyone throughout the country coming together And rooting for Notre Dame. Like, this wasn't the university or or Kennesaw State. This was Notre Dame, who people generally outside of the Notre Dame fan base don't really like. That is how unlikable Tennessee baseball has become. And and I get it. Like, yeah, people watched them because they hated them, and that's good for the game and all that stuff. But I don't think you want to encourage – maybe I'm crazy. I don't think you want to encourage. Encourage the way Tennessee play, baseball played this year and think that's okay. I really – look, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas and Auburn and Vanderbilt and Florida and Ar- – I think I said Arkansas. Texas A&M, they all play with fire. They all play with intensity. And, frankly, sometimes those teams border the line of going too far. None of them act like Tennessee because they have – all of them have a coach with a spine that would look – that look, If might be a coach – I'm just trying to think of a kid if Peyton Chatnier said what Drew Gilbert said to an umpire, Peyton Chatagnier would have been suspended for a while. Like Mike Bianco would have, that wouldn't have just been an NCAA suspension, I guess is my point. That that would have been something that would have taken up in tears because you're embarrassing the program at that point. But you have a coach that
1: doesn't necessarily find that to be embarrassing is the difference there. And you're, you're exactly right, too. And, like, it's – it's something, man. I, I get I, I get the aspect. I mean, we made fun of that column that that guy from OutKick wrote. Oh, my God. Uh, thanking uh, everyone should thank Tennessee for putting – single-handedly putting college baseball on the map. Like, well, have you seen the attendance that you know, named the SEC program lately? Like, like, this existed before and after you guys. I did find, like, yes. Well, they still play the movement. College World Series without them? Yeah, it's <laughs> – I'm surprised they didn't cancel the game in Hattiesburg today. It felt, only felt appropriate considering the circumstances that they lost. But, like, I do get that aspect of it. It's like it's almost like that they were coming at it from the angle of they're rooting against Tennessee because they're a great team. It's like, no. Like, people rooted against Golden State and Kevin Durant and the Golden State Warriors because they were a really awesome team, felt unfair. Like, they rooted against them for that. That's the villain that, that Tennessee thought they were. But, in reality, it was just a bunch of dudes that acted like jackasses. And that's what people <laughs> rooted against. It had nothing to do. It really. It should have had everything to do with how good they were. It should have been Vanderbilt. You root against Vanderbilt because my God, those guys are so damn good. Vanderbilt went twenty. But at the end of the day,
2: you respect Vanderbilt. Like, yeah, yeah, they cheat and all that, but they, they, they do it legally, I guess. But you don't, you don't go to bed every night, or, or if you're an opposing coach, saying, "Good God, I hate Tim Corbin," or "Good God, their players are jerks." You don't, you do you just dislike them because they kind of bend the rules and are really really good um nobody nobody gets together and roots against Vanderbilt the way that people did against Tennessee this weekend
1: yes you're absolutely right but it it could have had everything they could have actually been a villain like they were so good on the field sure it would have been fun for fans to root against just like can somebody finally beat these guys but that part of it was just hijacked by their behavior and so good on Notre Dame if you believe in the baseball gods if you believe in karma That I can't chalk that anything up to karma. I mean, if you're looking at Vegas odds, dude, they Notre Dame money line all three days. I went back and looked this up retroactively just to try to get a size of the upset plus 320, plus 280,
2: plus 320. Like, yeah, it's what if somebody took them all three days? That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? That would be that
1: would be a nice scenario. I said, had a hypothetical person had done that, but like that's that's I can't talk it up to anything else. It's karma. I get it. It is Vanderbilt. Excuse me. Notre Dame's a good baseball team, but Tennessee's better, and that is karma. And boy, was it sweet. Um, before we get to the questions and get out of here, anything else surprise you through the weekend? Um, um,
2: Louisville going zero and two was a little bit surprising to me
1: in two hard fought games too. That Friday, yeah. was awesome. Um, and Arkansas as well. Um, I thought yeah. that game would go three, but credit to Arkansas. I mean, that, that, that's probably one of the bigger they're surprises good. in the postseason, too. They look dead.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're good. Demons, they're rental players. They're pretty good.
1: Yeah, dude, my God. that <laughs> A lot of people just putting their foot in their mouth in the postseason. That might be the general theme of it. Outside of that, nothing really overly stunning to me. Um, As we're recording this uh, – golly east carolina man i hope they yeah. come back they're down so they're not second seven seven
2: to one. Oh, it is yeah they're dead um i hate that for cliff they had that game one yesterday uh, yeah
1: after winning game one that's that's i hope we eat our words. you don't
2: recover from that one
1: Whew. yeah that, don't that recover. that's
2: really rough
1: um Outside of that, I mean, Auburn going and taking game one, we'll see if they can finish it off. But that would be – I mean, Oregon State's a really yeah. good club. Um, I would imagine – Stan. so that game's now finished. Stanford forced to game three. I imagine yes. they smash UConn tomorrow.
2: I would think so. But UConn's uh, got after him yesterday. Um, yeah, I, w- I would expect Stanford to to win that. I think Auburn figures out a way to win one of these next two. I, 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 if I had to bet I think Ole Miss and Auburn play in Omaha on Saturday night okay um I actually no of, score I, in the third there as I'm looking at this
1: yeah I kind of agree with that as well um just rolling through it real quick nothing else really oh uh, Oklahoma taking it to Virginia Tech
2: yeah I didn't see that one coming didn't see that one coming at all um Jake Barrett was really good on Friday and shut down Virginia Tech and then today for whatever reason Virginia Tech just played kind of tight you could tell it was the team that that was a little nervous in front of the home crowd. Um, And for some reason, I have a theory. Um, Teams don't get tight if they lose the first game, if that makes sense. Like, if they're they're down 1-0, I don't think they kind of, like, they're like, oh, God, our season's over. I think they get tight when they're 27 outs from Omaha.
0: Yes. um, After being
2: down 1-0. Yeah. I think Hmm. that's when they get tight. It's like, okay, we we survived, and now we have to go get this done. I think that's when they kind of freak out a little bit.
1: I'm just looking at it on Twitter now. Ole Miss baseball originally had an eleven fifty or eleven thirty uh, arrival time in uh, Oxford. I don't say this is news because this is a podcast and it's not time sensitive. But now it says eleven fifty. Did someone have to pee? What? 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 Was the <laughs> there? there couldn't have been a ton of traffic. Do you think? I don't know. Um,
2: GPS live.
1: I mean, you you let Elko pee wherever he wants. You could drive to Texas to if he wanted to pee there. Um,
2: <laughs> I'll drive it myself. I don't care.
1: That's <laughs> that uh so we got that out of the way um let's just look at the let's look at the bracket and the way this shapes up sure. for Ole Miss before. Well, actually let's take some questions we'll do that at the very end we'll roll through these questions we I think a bunch of them were just people happy in their statements I'm not sure we have a ton of actual questions to get to but we'll roll through them really quick leadoff hitter Weldon Rodenberg is getting the Omaha good Weldon's been fully yeah. Bianco, trained the, uh, all the time uh I would say yes that's good
2: yeah it is. It is going to be good seeing them take the field on Saturday night. And uh, Charles Schwab, you're gonna to have to get used to that. Not TD Ameritrade anymore. Charles Schwab field.
1: That is going to take. A, I'm going to call it TD Ameritrade for the entirety of this year and possibly next year. So just throwing that <laughs> one out there. No, I'll. I'll may catch on to that in 2024. But uh, I actually doubt. I don't even like my odds there. Um, big dog saint. Not a question. Just here to tell you we're going to win the whole damn thing. Okay. I don't disagree. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, look, it's 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 wide open, and what a wild place to think! What a wild place to be, Rob Brown. How concerning is it that we only have? So he's talking about Ole Miss. We only have eight pitchers that have pitched any good or meaningful innings during this hot run. I know compared to last year, eight sounds like a luxury. But if Ole Miss loses a game, they'll have to pitch more than those eight. How comfortable are they with that? I don't think that's a concern at all. These guys are battle um, at this point in the season. Um, I I don't view that as so-
2: thoughts. No, I, I guess where I do agree with him is I don't know who the third starter is. And, and if this team's going to win the College World Series, they got to have a third starter. You're not, you can't just go Delusha Elliott, Delusha Elliott, Delusha Elliott. Um, so I, I do understand the the concern of not having that third starter uh, because I don't think Derek Diamond will be their third starter. I think they're going to do a, Gattis, a Gattis or washburn deal. Um, is there any way they
1: could become three guys – because outside of Gaddis as a lefty matchup, you don't really use Washburn or Diamond out of the bullpen, or they haven't yet. Like, could it be some version of all three of them?
2: Um, yeah. I, I just – look, this team in 2014 went through the College World Series losers bracket uh, and, and got a game – or, excuse me, two games from the College World Series final with with five relievers and, and uh, Josh Laxer, um, Wyatt Short. Um, Aaron Greenwood, Jeremy Massey, and, and I'm forgetting someone else. So you don't have to have an extremely, extremely deep pen to get through this. Um, but, you know, it, it. I guess that is where I'm concerned is if, who is that game three starter? Because, frankly, you haven't had someone trustworthy in that game three role all year. Um, and if they're going to get through this tournament, they're going to have to find somebody that can fill that role.
1: Is there any credence to the fact that they just haven't had to do it yet? Because in terms of the regular season and again, a, re- a regional where you had another game to play with that Diamond's been good enough. Like I just, with the way Josh Mallett's is pitched and what you've seen in no. is from John Gaddis and Jack Washburn. I'm not suggesting Mallets as a starter, but like, okay. I'm just saying, like, is there a, is there a world where one of those guys could take the baseball for a night? I, I mean, so I don't want to call it it's like spinning a roulette wheel, but like the, Mallets, Doherty, whatever, I don't think either one of those should necessarily sort of be your first choice, but I'm just saying there's enough options there. Do you think it's the fact that they don't have it yet, or they just haven't had to search for it like they might going to Omaha? I just, it feels like options are there, I guess. is my um,
2: I, There are options there, but I guess the concern would be is nobody's done it. Um, and they're going to have to go do it on the biggest stage in college baseball. I think that would be the concern. Is, is it that there's nobody there? No, it's just that you don't know who that is, and you're going to find out who that is, and probably a must-win scenario, if that makes sense. Will Bardwell
1: checking in here? Why should I ever believe in anything for the rest of my life? Um,
2: I don't know. It's a good question a after this year.
1: Twenty-three-year-old Mississippian make one hundred two hundred twenty thousand dollars to finish last place in a uh, golf tournament backed by the Saudis this week. So I think you should be able to believe in anything. I was trying to throw one right up his alley. He's a golf guy. Um, <laughs> Rob Brown again. Why is the Cardinals World Series the way it is? No other sports to allow teams to enter the national championship. I'm in on this. Severely at a disadvantage, depending on whether they lost a game on the way. It's a reason. I'm in on this. And a super crammed into 10 dates for no reason. Sorry, I'm elaborate on this. I'm missing his point. So,
2: so what he's asking, and it's right, um, they start this thing on Friday, right? And yes. it goes oh, through Thursday. Oh, I
1: see what he's saying now. And yes, then we're okay.
2: going to take one day off and start the national championship series. Whereas when you have a super easy, you have three and four days off. Why don't we just wait a little bit? Everybody get their pitching in line, and let's go play the national title when everybody's got their one and two available. I, I don't. I've never understood um, having to watch your somebody's midweek pitcher start a national championship series game. I just. I don't think this makes a whole lot of sense as far as. Um, setting teams up to play play their best in a national title scenario.
1: I'm with you there. Now I'm on the same page. I was a little bit confused with that. I, I agree. Um, this entire sport is centered around the best two out of three, and I get what that's what the national championship series is. And this might be excessive, but if you once you got the final two teams, would it be excessive to send them home for four days and then bring them back,
2: or at least give them? I mean, you don't have to send them home, but like just. Give them two or three days off. Teams have days off all the time in Omaha. Instead of starting this thing on Saturday, start it on Tuesday, right? Um, the the you know regional portion finishes on Thursday. That gives you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. Everybody should be fresh by that point, or at least fresh enough to throw in a game too. Why can't we do this Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the next week? I don't, and I get it. You'd be out in Omaha for two weeks, but it's man, this is a multi-million-dollar sport. It, it'll be okay um, if teams have to stay in a, in a hotel for two weeks. It'll be okay.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be just fine too. Dom, I actually not even going to try to pronounce that, even though he put his phonetic pronunciation in there. Dol <laughs> Metzger. Okay. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> I've been critical of this of this team in Bianca my entire year. I will eat my crumb. But my question is, why in the hell did they let the Rebs get hot? That's a good question, man. That's
2: a fair question. Tim told him not to. He, he did. Told them not to. And by God, they sent him to Miami and they let him get hot. And now here we are with the team that went 14 and 16 and the sec and i'm like i don't know they might win a national title i don't know why the hell they did that <laughs> i don't
1: know oh. either. i meant to tell this story earlier in the podcast did i inform you on thursday i was going to my first baby shower um yeah you did so that was more of like a my <laughs> i told my dad i was going to a baby shower and he's like what's your deal what's wrong with you and i was like what do you mean Apparently now you have a normal baby shower and then you have one with like your friends. I think it's a way to get actual like more gifts. Cause apparently having a child is expensive off the registry. Um, so it was a great time. Shout out to my and Cam Dillon having a daughter. I uh, had a great time there, but my uh, it was going on at like five thirty or six with the Ole Miss game going on. And so I made it very clear to MC and the party I was going with. It's like, Hey, if this game's still going on. I will take an Uber later. I'm not moving. Well, by the time that we had to go to the party, it was 10 nothing, so I just became boyfriend of the year. I was like, sure, I'll go. I'll watch it on my phone for a bit. <laughs> it's 10 nothing. Do what I can. <laughs> There's no stress. So that, was, uh, that, that just might sum it up for the Rebels this year in terms of just the lack of stress. Weird internet names checking in here, uh, regular listener. Is Ben Van Cleve going to get an a Omaha home run? Our, my official answer is yes until proven otherwise.
2: Okay. All right, we'll go yes then. I was praying he was getting a ball out today. We have to. We can't say no. Yeah, yeah. Only one home run in the super regional. That's kinda of wild.
1: Yeah, I that that was wild. That's one of credit to the Ole Miss pitching in a weird way. Yeah. The Ole Miss hitting to just be able to put up what they did without uh having to hit the ball over the fence. Here's the here's the tongue in cheek question. tongue and cheek question. What does Mike have to do in Omaha to keep his job? Not commit a Exist. Fellow. Yeah. <laughs> well he goes to prison. That would be a tough look.
2: <laughs> look, I, yeah I mean, think, coaches okay. have done 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 more and got their job yeah. <laughs> now without a conviction what, what felony would mike bianco be most likely to commit
1: um is verbal abuse a felony
2: <laughs>
1: I, <love that> <laughs> I don't think that's a felony i have to ask my mom she's a lawyer oh my god <laughs> outside of that i don't don't, mike doesn't strike me as a big felony guy uh so that that's how we got here two hours in this podcast i don't think Mike will commit a felony um can you believe winning a super regional without using brandon johnson thanks love the show thanks for listening man i mean that's that's really nuts it really is no that's a baby shower example they didn't have to use brandon johnson
2: yeah i thought they were gonna bring him in for the ninth and frankly i would have but you know glad they didn't. It worked out. Um, and I think I know Mike's thought process, and it's not, it doesn't matter because they didn't play game three. But, um, yeah, crazy. Just absolutely well. I mean, they didn't have to use
1: – they used Doherty and Malitz, and that was – they got through. And they didn't really have to use Doherty.
2: They could have thrown someone else.
1: Yeah, they, they really could have. That's a good point as well. And, I, actually, I thought that was kind of indicative of how much Mike trusts some of these other guys.
2: Well, I, I actually – yeah, I text Chase about – that game and and i'm sitting there when they're up 10 to nothing it's like you can go to diamond here but when this shit gets 10 to 5 i'm gonna be really pissed off
1: or just like i don't want to say anyone anyone but someone that hasn't thrown a ton just to get the last couple outs i actually thought that going to doherty was uh kind of a sign of how much he trusts the other guys to where it's like okay even if doherty throws 56 pitches and can't come back tomorrow we're oh fine. yeah fair yeah you know what i mean so that that, yeah. that was yeah i'm surprised they didn't have to use brandon johnson um. Did Bianco save his job? Yeah. It, okay. That one feels unironic. Yes. Of course, he's going to the college. Yes. <laughs> he will get a raise and an extension. <laughs> yeah.
2: The, the the So here's my thing. Okay. What, what um, And I'm getting what, into what's it, your it, candidate
1: pool? If Ole Miss goes zero to two, you're like, yeah. Well, you know, we got to fire him.
2: I, I might have to go coach him. <laughs> I mean, like, good lord. Um. Uh, but I've gotten into it with two people in my text messages over this. It's like, yeah, but the regular season still happened. I'm like, no, you, you don't get to do no, that. No, now it, get, it doesn't matter now. You, you don't get to yell about postseason results for seven years or whatever. Yeah, eight years. You don't get to yell about those and say the regular season doesn't matter. Now the man goes to the College World Series and the regular season doesn't matter. Like, pick, pick a struggle, okay? Um, I, I don't know. That, that I've gotten annoyed by that. No, the, the regular season at this point doesn't matter. Now, look, is this does this program need to make a routine habit of going 14 and 16 and not hosting regionals? No, that is not the path to success. But for a one-year window, when the goal was Omaha, it's fine, and you shouldn't worry about the freaking regular season at this point.
1: I'm, I'm with you. Taylor DeCrasto, how did this team, parentheses, that was dead 45 days ago do this? Refer to the previous hour, 45 minutes. 45.
2: Um, so, so I will say this. Um, they caught some breaks this year because if they play any other team but Missouri, when they got Missouri, they're not here. Um, they got that sweep, and it's like, well, hell, maybe we're good. And then they get an LSU team without Barry that hadn't really pitched it well, and they win that or sweep that. So, the, they caught some good fortune from the schedule at the back end, um, and then the kids just played well, man. When they got in, you could tell it. They were a different team, and they were ready to fight. It's been a remarkably fun thing to watch. I
1: had to Google this one. Caroline Cole asked in Scoville. You know, I did too. I saw this. How <laughs> hot are the Rebs right now? So this is a pepper ranking system. Um, oh, okay. I actually got down one of these rabbit holes a couple of years ago. I don't really know why. But, you know, there's some peppers that are so hot, I think it can, like, kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hottest – the mildest one is – Bell pepper. That's unfortunate. I've eaten a couple of bell peppers and been like, damn, I need a water. Um, Jalapeno is pretty low on the scale. The hottest one is Carolina Reaper right above Trinidad Scorpion. I always thought the ghost pepper. The ghost pepper is the one that got all the pub. Apparently yeah. the ghost pepper a fraud. There's two, two peppers higher than that. One of them's the Carolina Reaper. I'm going to go that. I'm not sure there's a hotter team in the country or in the sport that I'll Miss right now. So I think we have to go Carolina Reaper.
2: Okay. So, so speaking on that realm while we're ranking things, um, what, what, what ranking – and let's assume Stanford gets in and Auburn gets in. What ranking uh, of team – like, where would you put Ole Miss in the field if you were ranking the eight teams?
1: Okay, so if that's the eight teams, if, assuming the Texas result holds, that is Texas, Arkansas, Auburn. Let's do it,
2: let's do it by bracket. So, it's Texas, Texas A&M. Oklahoma, Notre Dame. Okay. Ole Miss, Auburn, Arkansas, um, Santa.
1: I just don't know enough, I haven't watched enough of the other teams to know. like Texas A&M is really really hot and they're really really good.
2: Yeah, I think I'd put them above Ole Miss.
1: I'm curious about pitching depth a little bit. Yeah. Texas A&M. Um, Oklahoma just seems really good, but I'm not sure quite how good – well, actually, when you go into Blacksburg and you do that, I, uh, I, I yeah. just, I, I'll i retract that piece of it. I don't know if I'd put them in Ole Miss, but I'll put them in the same realm. Arkansas is really hot, but they're definitely beatable. Look at the Fayetteville series this year, and I get that's a different – that's a different Arkansas team, it's also a different Ole Miss team. Um, I mean, I'll put it top four.
3: Yeah,
2: I think that's where I'd, where I'd go is top four for sure. It's got a shot, man. I think they're going to win if they get Auburn. I think they're going to win on Saturday, and I think they're going to play Arkansas, and the winner is going to play for the national title. That's, that's where I'm at on that. My God.
1: Out of the 10,000 people that questioned in April, how had many had Josh Mallets closing out a game taking old Miss to the College World Series? Look – He'd been good all year, and we were on this early. We don't get everything right, but the Josh Mallett's throwing in an 18-5 game against Auburn, dumping breaking balls on both sides of the plate, then chucking 93. Well, what did he do today? Dumped a bunch of breaking balls that they couldn't hit. It's I, – I wouldn't say after last year I saw it coming, but every time he pitched this year, it was really good. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was. And, I mean, he's consistent at this point. At this point, it's an old commodity. Um, I do worry – that like if someone ever catches on to the breaking ball, it's going to be a problem, but nobody has so far. And that thing is disgusting.
1: How high was Collins' blood pressure in the top of the
2: eighth? Uh, it was high. It was, it was high, but like I said, I, I just knew if Ole Miss, even if something bad happened, I didn't think Southern could hit them consistently. I frankly was more nervous yesterday in the top of the fifth or the bottom of the fifth. Um. When it was three to nothing, and and uh, Ewing hit the foul home run, I was more nervous then because I didn't know at that point that Southern was just incompatible at the plate. Um, I, I wasn't exactly in a great mood, but I was okay today. And then the pop up happens, and it's, it's thank God.
1: Is Bianca the best coach in Ole Miss sports history? I think you've mm, no. got a good
2: John Vaught, right? Yeah, it's Vaught. Um, I could definitely argue for number two after today. Though. Is he second? Yeah. I mean, I think Kiffin's going to get there. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely too after today.
1: Where's Hugh Freeze rank? Actually, we're not going to go there today. Yeah, um, no,
2: not tonight. I'm not doing that tonight.
1: Is there a hotter team at the moment? We just answered that one. Um, not that this guy would know, but, like, uh, I mean, they're up there. It's all relative, but they're up there. If Ole Miss wins the trophy, should I get a Tim Elko mustache tap? Yeah, I'm just going to encourage him. I'm that. in.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: I'd like a photo, too.
2: I'm not uh, offering up anything that I'll do if Ole Miss wants the title, because I think there's a possibility that they
1: might. Yeah, I'm not offering up anything as well, mostly because I don't want any body ink. I don't really do needles. I, uh, I, I don't, I'm not skydiving, anything like that. Uh, I can't grow a mustache, so I, uh, I don't have much to offer there. Uh, how does the Kool-Aid taste? I do not think off this team. We just feel like we've been fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we
2: both said that they were going to win this weekend.
1: Is. Are we in the metaverse? Is another question we got. Possibly. Sure. Maybe.
2: I don't know. I've
1: been in worse verses. If you were Keith Carter, what would you build the Tim Elko statue out of? Uh, I don't know. Can you harden? Right there in the
2: park- <laughs> Right in Mike's parking spot. It's
1: waiting. Oh, I like that. He's asking what the, what material. Ah. Uh, oh. Could you get a bunch of – actually, this would get weird. Actually, this guy says he's a doctor. Can you get a bunch of ACLs and make it out of ACLs?
2: <laughs> not used ACL. I
1: don't think that's possible. Um, this one from me, did Tennessee manage to win today? Thanks for checking in. No, they did not.
2: They did not. They did not manage to win today. I think- not. Notre Dame will be going to the College th- World Series. That is Notre Dame.
1: I think he was on the same boat as us and just wanted to hear you saying, is this fun? Seems that way.
2: It was. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about the Hattiesburg Super Regional.
1: That is all of our questions. Uh, we kind of covered the bracket piece of this, I think. So, yeah. I, I, we, before we go for four hours tonight, this has been Colin Brister. I appreciate the time, as always, my man. We'll be back at it. I don't necessarily know when yet, but – um. Uh Yeah, probably Thursday-ish. Yeah, somewhere around there, absolutely. Um. So I appreciate the time. What a place we're at. <laughs> what a place uh, we probably didn't think we'd be, but we'll uh, We'll catch you again soon.
2: All right, sounds good, my man.
1: All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you making this podcast a part of your day. As I mentioned during the podcast, always fun with interacting with the listeners. Appreciate the updates. Those of you that were in Hattiesburg this weekend, uh, sending photos, whatever the case may be. always appreciate it. Uh, this is the greatest time of year, college baseball postseason, And, uh, this is kind of this podcast bread and butter, I feel like to some degree. And, uh, you people are a huge part of that. So thank you guys for listening. And, uh, Colin and I will be back this week. We'll probably have something for you in the midweek as well. But, uh, this time of year, it's going to revolve around the baseball schedule. So just stay tuned, but we got a couple more pods for you this week. Y'all have a wonderful start of your week and hopefully you enjoyed the celebrating.